am an uncommon church builder. I am leading second. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Stewart. Welcome to the Leading Second podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders that our pastors would absolutely kill to have on the team. As I am recording and we're releasing this uh, today, uh, me and my family are in Florida. Uh, Summer vacation has actually hit the Stewart family, so... Um, we are on an extended trip this month, almost kind of like a flashback to what we used to do when my daughter was younger and we basically lived life on the road and potty trained her on the road and and uh, cut our teeth in ministry on the road and kind of back in those days now today. We're on a month-long trip that's going to take us from Florida over to Southern California, back over to Washington, D.C., um, because we don't know how to do the coasts in order, apparently. So we are um, zigzagging a little bit, and then we're home all before my daughter turns seven. So it's an epic summer trip, and I hope wherever you're at, you're doing well, and summer is treating you well so far. Uh, Today, I am so excited about the guests we have on the podcast today. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, every single episode, we'd like to take a question from a listener of the Leading Second podcast from our Facebook forum, the Leading Second forum on Facebook. And uh, let's jump in and check out a question that we recently had submitted from a podcast listener from the forum. Hey, Brandon, this is Travis Porter calling from Mansfield, Ohio. I just had a quick question for you today. I'm just curious to know your opinion on offense with millennials in the local church or just rather young leaders in the church. Uh, And to preface this question, I am just curious to know how you would navigate this conversation. So when a young leader happens to be offended or discouraged or frustrated because leadership has not promoted them to the role in which they believe they are Um, do to be promoted for, how do you navigate that conversation? What do you say? Uh, What's your initial approach? And how do you leave that conversation um, after having had it? Travis, thank you so much for sending in this question. I loved this question. Um, I oddly uh, really enjoy talking about offense. And um, the reason I enjoy talking about it is not that I enjoy the, the fact that people get offended. It's that I know that um, this is a critical issue for people and that how we respond in moments of offense absolutely unequivocally makes us or breaks us. Your question was specifically about how to handle a conversation when someone maybe feels overlooked or like they were owed a position and how they would approach that. And I'll tell you exactly how I would approach that conversation is I wouldn't have the conversation. I'm not even sure I can remember a time when I had a conversation where I asked for a promotion or stated that I wanted something. And that's because I firmly believe that my leaders aren't my promoters, that I believe that God is my promoter. 
And I believe that God is the one that puts us in places where he wants us. And therefore, it is our responsibility to simply pray, God, nothing but your will be done. And it's also our responsibility to get ourselves ready in advance for the very thing we're believing God to do in our lives. So rather than have the question of why didn't I get the role or why didn't I get the position or the opportunity, I think if I had a conversation with a leader in my life about promotion or position, I would take it more on a coachable route. And I would say, what is it that I could be working on now to prepare myself to handle more for you? I would absolutely ask them to talk to me about my blind spots, about areas I could grow, but I would not have the conversation center on where I felt entitled to be or I was supposed to be. I would leave that in their hands and keep my focus squarely on personal growth. And then you asked what we should do after that conversation. Um, Do everything they tell you to do, big and small, because your job is not to promote yourself or to try to weasel your way in somewhere. Your job is to get yourself ready and your job is to build trust with the leader uh, that you are following. So I hope that helps, Travis. Great question. And I pray that everyone is listening today. If you're navigating a season of offense, that you would do the hard work to clear out your life and clear out your heart of that offense. Otherwise, um, here's the bottom line with offense. Offense is like a dirty pipe. It's like the idea that God is wanting to speak to you and other people are wanting to speak to you and they're voice is coming to you as water. But if it's coming through a dirty pipe, when the water gets to you, it's going to be dirty. In other words, you're going to struggle to really hear God and really hear from others when you're living your life offended. So do the hard work. Above all else, the Bible says, guard your heart. Do the hard work of keeping your heart free of offense. It will save your life uh, one of these days. If you have a question that you'd like to ask on the podcast, I would encourage you to join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook. That is our community. And then uh, once you're on there, we we ask for questions often. Make sure and post your question or DM us. Uh, ask your question in the news feed. We would absolutely love to feature your question on an upcoming episode. All right. Today, I'm excited for you to hear from one of my absolute favorite people uh, to talk life and ministry with. Uh, Nicole Smithy is a teaching pastor at Liberty Church in New York. Uh, This thriving church has, I believe, eight locations in the U.S. and internationally. Nicole is full of life. She is full of wisdom. She loves God's house. You are absolutely going to love her perspective and uh, this conversation on empowering women in ministry. And this is, by the way, a conversation not just for women but a conversation for all of us. So here we go, uh, my conversation with Nicole Smithy. All right, so for today's interview, I am excited to be joined by the one, the only, Nicole Smithy from Liberty Church in uh, New York. Say hello to everybody today, Nicole. Hello, everybody. It's so exciting to be be a part of the conversation today. And are you actually uh, joining us from New York today, or where in the world are you? Yeah, today I'm actually in New York, which I can't say every day, but I am in uh, I'm in New York City right now. It's great. That's awesome. I know you do get around a lot of places, and um, in fact, I was just recently at a church. I had no idea you would even have known them, and they were raving about uh, you having had been there a couple weeks prior. So um, it's a small world sometimes out there. 
when you're it is. Uh, That's what I love about church. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Well, hey, I am so honored and thrilled uh, for you to be here. Um, you know, we've been friends for a few years now, and I feel like our paths have crossed in different places, team church and, and other areas. But man, my wife and I, we just we so love and respect you and, and all that you have stood for. And I was excited to have this conversation today. Yeah, me too. It's great to know you guys. I think uh, I always love being around people who afterwards you feel encouraged. You feel inspired every time you get around and that's definitely you and Lindsay. So, uh, it's an honor to call you friends. Ah, we love it. Well, let's start because, uh, people listening may or may not know you. Let's maybe start with something fun. Uh, what is something, I just love this question. What is something unique about you that maybe not very many people would know, uh, or something, something kind of random or, or fun about you? Okay. Um, I was thinking about this. What am I going to, what would I say to something like this? Uh, like an icebreaker type question. Uh, I, I think something most people don't know is that I love classic Motown music, like love it. <laughs> and, um, my favorite artist of all time is Stevie wonder. Like really? when I was in high school and, you know, aging myself, but like boy bands, like, you know, or Justin Timberlake posters were being put in yep. by, you know, high school girls in their lockers. Uh, for me in my locker, it was a picture of Stevie wonder. Like I adore him. Uh, and, uh, met him once, which was, a, a an amazing moment of my life. And I was so proud of myself because I didn't fangirl in front of him. But as soon as I left the conversation, I like ran to a private spot, which was just like a bathroom. And I closed the door and I started jumping up and down, um, <laughs> like screaming, you just met Stevie wonder. You just met Stevie wonder. Like I, it, it was, it's a highlight of my life. So, uh, many days I'm listening to, uh, Motown music. That is amazing. And you know what? Let's let's just be proud of our upbringing in the 90s, too. We'll just be proud of, of the boy band era and rock it. <laughs> oh, man. It was a rough go, but we learned from that experience. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Well, it, on, along those lines, tell me about, speaking of the early years, tell me about how you got your start in ministry. What What did your early years in ministry look like? Yeah. My story with ministry is kind of interesting because I didn't go to seminary. I didn't, I didn't actually think I would be in full-time ministry. And partly when I became a Christian when I was 12, I got deeply involved in youth ministry and it was a very life-giving church that I was a part of. And, um, like on paper, women were empowered to be in too, but there were only a couple spots that I saw in the church that I was at at the, that time. And it was either like be a worship um, pastor, cause you sing really well and lead people in worship or a kid's pastor. Cause you're really great with kids and I'm tone deaf and I, I love children one-on-one, but if there's like a group, I feel like Lord of the flies could happen at any moment. So, <laughs> right. um, I, I just didn't think that those were options for me. So I was like, okay, so I, I just ministry is not for me, even though I, I, even as a little girl had such a passion for, um, for sharing Jesus with people and for building the church and, but I just didn't know what that looked like for me. So I actually moved to LA to, um, be an actress Oh wow. <laughs> to an acting school. And I, I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in LA and I was doing like TV, um, work, commercial work, that kind of thing. And I started serving at a church in LA, Oasis church. And it was the first time in my life as I was serving there that I actually saw men and women like partner together. Um, and, you know, for the greater good and wow. for the, for the kingdom. And, 
uh, it was just a new thing for me. And my eyes got open and in that environment, God reawakened this desire for ministry. And, um, I didn't know what that was going to look like for me because here I was acting in, in LA. Uh, but at 19, um, there was a pastor on staff at the time, an associate pastor who had noticed me serving in the office during the summer. Cause I had some extra time. I wasn't in school at that point. Mm. And just said, Hey, uh, you probably don't know this, but I was actually looking for an assistant. I'm going to hire one in September. Um, and, and I prayed about it. And I know this is kind of weird. Uh, I do want you to go through an interview process, but I really felt strongly. I was supposed to see if, if you would be interested in this role. And, wow. um, it was just such a, it was such a God moment for me because I had been praying about ministry and I'd really resolved with God. Like, I'm going to keep moving forward with um, acting and with school, unless you redirect me, because this is such a crazy thing for me to even be thinking ministry on my life. So if, if you make it really clear, I will be obedient. But, um, so, so that timing was just, it was such a confirmation. So I quit acting school and pivoted completely into ministry. And at 19 started as an administrative assistant and, uh, at my church at Oasis church. And then over the years just did a number of different things, kind of just whatever was asked, you know? Yep. So, um, so I youth pastored for a season. I loved that. I, uh, managed our cafe at the time that we had open. I assisted in a couple other areas. I oversaw our weekends and our services and the teams that make that happen. I associate was an associate pastor and an executive pastor for quite a while as well and teaching pastor and just a number of different things. Um, now I'm actually moved to New York and I'm a teaching pastor at Liberty Church in, in uh, New York City with some locations here in New York, as well as um, in Manzini, Swaziland, in Africa, and San Francisco, uh, California, and St. Petersburg, Florida. So I, I get to be a part of seeing something really amazing happening with church planning and um, seeing God do amazing, extraordinary things in cities. Um, but it really started when I was 19, just by saying yes. And then I think it continued for me, the journey of just being flexible, like whatever was needed was kind Absolutely. of my, my rule of thumb. I was like, God, I said it really early on, like, God, I just... I want to serve your kingdom. So yeah, there's things that I prefer, there's things that I feel passionate about, but whatever you need me to do, I'm going to say yes. And that was definitely tested with a few transitions over the years and different responsibilities that got put on my plate. But I can honestly say that by saying yes to whatever was needed, I've learned so much about ministry. I've learned so much about faith. I've learned so much about serving, about people, and I've refined leadership uh, leadership gift on my life along the way. So I do think you learn a lot more by being flexible and um, serving for the greater good than you do just trying to hone in on wh what you want in a season, you know? Yeah, no, that's so good. That's so good. And I think what I've always appreciated about you is that you have always had um, ambitions to help the the larger picture of the local church um, and yet always remained really anchored in and faithful in the house that you were planted and I remember the first time I heard you speak was actually at Oasis and um, and the now in New York. And you're part of a fantastic church in, in New York. And I just I love that you navigate that well. And that would probably be for a separate podcast. But just the, the, the tension of doing both of those things well. Um, I, I think a, a lot of people could take cues from you on that. And I appreciate that about you. And along those lines, you have stepped out in this season to start something new for women called iridescent. Maybe tell us a little bit more about that because I love what you are about to be up to uh, with that. Yeah, uh, so excited about iridescent. Um, iridescent was birthed really uh, out of this passion and 
a specific call I felt to reach young women in our world today um, that started brewing in my heart last summer. And uh, I, I just wanted to reach young women where they're at and recognize that um, there's a lot of young women who there's nobody inviting in the church yet. And then there's a lot of young women who are probably a part of an amazing local church and they have community, um, but they're exposed to a lot of content that isn't necessarily awakening brilliance within them. Um, and we live in such a, you know, um, digital world where there's such a sense of information overload, but not always a great sense of community that is truly going to engage and empower people, um, in, in a godly way. The, the name of the community is iridescent. The website is iridescentwomen.com. And we are set to launch here at the end of June. And our mission is to awaken the brilliance within every young woman through, real conversations, authentic connection, true contributions. And so we didn't want to create a site where women were just being exposed to content overload, but where they had an opportunity to engage in conversations that were really, that would catalytic and will be catalytic for women in their personal lives, their personal communities, and collectively as a society and really an online platform for articles and videos every day to hear from so many different young women um, and also older women mentors just to hear uh, different voices that will empower and inspire them in their everyday life. Everything from relationships to spirituality, to health and wellness, to fashion and beauty, to career and money. So we're going to cover all the bases and it is actually for a Christian young woman, but it's also for a non-Christian young woman to find a spot where she can explore faith over time and Love be exposed it. to the good news of Jesus, you know, but this digital age that we are all very familiar with and especially a young woman. I love that. Okay. So let me ask you a couple of real questions here. Um, what challenges do you feel like women in ministry face? I mean, what, what are, what are women up against right now as they navigate their ministry journey? Yeah, I, I think women face a, a number of challenges. Uh, I know from my personal experience, there was a long season where every time I would go to a conference, um, every time I'd go to a workshop or a breakout session, when I was youth pastoring, when I was associate pastoring, uh, even when I was executive pastoring, to walk into these arenas and really feel like the odd woman in the room, there's just not that many other women in the room. So that in of itself is its own challenge to feel comfortable in your own skin, to feel confident um, and to build these relationships with other extraordinary people who are doing amazing things in ministry that might not be your gender or have the same experience that you have. And I would get repeatedly asked the same three questions uh, I would get asked in those environments when I would talk to people. So like, who is your husband? Um, assuming that it was my husband who was the youth pastor or my husband who was the associate pastor and I was in the room with him. Um, you know, uh, who, who is, um, your boss, like, uh, whose assistant are you, you know, um, wow. assuming that I was really just supporting somebody else, um, or whose daughter are you assuming that, you know, I was in the room because I was somebody's, somebody's kid. And, and those are all actually fine. It, it, those would be really fine realities. If I, if my husband was in the room to support him, that would be absolutely fine. Um, if I was, you know, um, some, somebody, my father is in the room and I'm, and I'm a part of ministry with him. That's, that's wonderful, but none of those were my reality. And so to continue to be asked those things and also feel like the only person in the room, it was really isolating for me and it was, um, humbling and that's always a good thing too. Um, and it was a bit challenging for me to find my voice and find my place and feel confident that, you know, if, if, 
my pastors have empowered me in this role. If, if I'm serving the greater good for my church and the local church and hopefully the global church and God's called me to this, that that's enough and not having to look for affirmation or support or, um, to, to keep hoping for, you know, people in the room to, um, have a different understanding of, of what it meant for me to be in that room or to see other women in the room or different things like that. I think that's the, honestly the biggest challenge that I think women in ministry face, even if they're, they're uniquely empowered in their own local church environment, there's still a lot of places where women aren't, aren't necessarily given a go in certain areas. And uh, a woman in ministry has to reconcile that between her and God and be okay with that and continue to do the mission that God's called her to. I felt like really early on for me as a young woman in ministry, having had a few of those kind of experiences where I felt like the odd person in the room or in the meeting or, you know, conference or whatever. Um, I was angry. I was really angry and frustrated. And um, the Holy Spirit was so good to check me. And I really felt like I had this beautiful conversation with God where God was like, Hey, I need you to watch out for this because if you, if you're going to get offended by this, then what's going to happen is you're going to develop a shadow mission. And instead of the mission being just to make Jesus known and to love people, your mission is going to be to prove something as a woman. And if that's your mission, then you can't actually serve that mission and serve the mission of just um, sharing the gospel. One is going to overtake the other. And that was a really, um, challenging moment for me, but it was so liberating because it was like, okay, great. I have nothing to prove. I, I just, I just get to serve Jesus and serve people. And when you have a purity of mission like that, it is really liberating. Then there's things that you would normally get upset or offended by that you get offended by. There'd wow. be things that would easily throw you off course that you're not, you're just not even going to pay attention to anymore because you're just so clear on mission. I think that's a hard thing for women to settle, especially for me early on. And I think for young women, uh, especially it's a challenging thing to come to that realization that like, I don't need to prove something as a woman. I just need to be faithful at my post and let God do the rest. And, um, and when you can get to that place, I think that's when you start to really, um, step into your own in ministry and even discover more and more of what it looks like to just faithfully serve and see the fruit of that. Wow. I, I feel like that answer was worth the entire podcast right there. I think I, there's a lot of, um, girls listening that really need to rewind that and listen to that answer again. That was, that was fantastic. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you though. Um, so I grew up in an environment where women were very empowered actually. Um, so I had an interesting journey on this topic from the standpoint of it was a non-issue for me because I actually was raised around empowered women and I, I would think a, a pretty healthy, um, you know, mindset on this. And, but as I, as I got farther into ministry and leadership, I started realizing that wasn't everyone's story and that wasn't every place. And so I have this question for you. Why should empowering women matter to men? Because it 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 has, it very much matters to me now, hence the reason we're doing this conversation. So why should the men listening not have checked out and skipped this episode? Um, yeah. Why should this matter? Yeah, it, it cannot be just a woman's issue. It can't. It, one, I don't think it reflects the heart of God. I don't right. think it reflects fully the church and its vibrancy and the way that Jesus envisioned the church on the cross. He died for men and women. Absolutely. Um, you know, Galatians makes it so clear that there's neither male nor female, right? Like we are one in Christ. And if we don't see that kind of unity, 
than the, in the church. Or we're not, we're not actually leaning in to the leading of the Holy spirit for that unity and being faithful to, to that. Then, then I, we're coming up short when it comes to the mission. We really are. So I think it has to be at that level of importance. Like Christ died for his church and he cried for, he died for his church to be united male and female. And and don't you think that if the church doesn't get it right, women who want to lead are going to go somewhere else. And women who are are called of God, who are supposed to lead in the kingdom, you know, I I just think we, we, we lose out when we just join all of the different voices that marginalize women. We lose out. And when that's not at all what the church was ever supposed to be. Yeah, that's right. We we do lose out. And I think we lose out in more than we'll ever know. Like, how do you measure that? And there's, there's some, there's some environments within the church where because there isn't uh, an expression of male and female partnering together for the greater good. Um, the sad part is you don't know what you don't know. So I feel like there's, there's people missing out and they don't really even fully know. And that's, I think the hard, the hard challenge is if you could at least open yourself to the possibility that there's women in the church who have a leadership gift on their life, that there's women who can, women who can teach, there's women who can start new initiatives or be a bridge, um, uh, creator within your community. There's just so many different ways that women can use the gifts that God's given them for the kingdom and serving the kingdom. Like if you're not willing to try that, um, just because it's it's not been the norm yet, like there's um, there is going to be a continued void that you're just never gonna you're not even gonna know is there. But to see to see those environments where there are like I grew up in an environment in, at my church at Oasis where men and women were empowered and it was beautiful and that's actually why I'm here being on this side of the podcast with you today. Like I I couldn't if I was in a different church environment, I, I think I would be one of those people who just never knew the full extent of what being called to ministry full-time look like that. I wouldn't be walking in that. I'd be using my gifts in a different capacity. Um, and, and so I'm grateful for that environment. And I think men have to be part of the solution. I'd say this on a practical note. Um, I think one of the ways that men can, can be a part of the solution is not just say, yeah, I do believe in women and affirm that, but make space for women, like mentor, mentor a young woman in, in, in ministry, you know, like bring her into the room. If you see a gift on her life, um, make space for her, you know, integrity and do it with grace, but make space for it for women. I, I don't think you need to do it just for the sake of doing it, but I guarantee that there's probably young women in every church environment right now, at least a handful that have the faithfulness that have the character and have the gifting and have the calling. And if you can just see it and start to invite her to those opportunities where she can use her gifts, invite her to the room, and encourage and believe in the gift inside of her, create a church environment where, where she can thrive. Um, then that's, that's how you fully embody this. And that's where we see, I think, lasting change. So you got married this year, which congratulations on that, by the way. Uh, love that. Um, tell us about, um, newlywed life and your, you know, your first little, (laughs) little bit here of, of being married. Uh, we're having so much fun. Yeah, we, we actually met at church. His name is Ben, Ben Smithy. And um, he was speaking at a gathering that we were having for our business community and our church. It was for entrepreneurs and business-minded young professionals. And um, I had never been to uh, that yet. I just recently moved to New York. I came, I heard him speak. He did an excellent job. So I went up afterwards and said, hey, you 
you were great. And he said, well, I just heard you preach on the weekend and I thought you were great too. And so that began, um, yeah, us getting to know each other and, and, um, and dating and got married in November. And, um, man, he's marriage is so we're having so much fun. We're learning a ton. Um, we laugh a lot. He is such a brilliant man and such a champion. I mean, this whole conversation, you know, talking about, uh, what it looks like for women in ministry and empowering women and how to, how to be in some sense, how to, how to be an advocate for this issue and represent Jesus. Ultimately, um, my husband does that, like, that's just who he is. And he's a businessman and he's been mentoring both men and women for so long. And, um, and, and you can see the result of that. You can see the impact it's making in so many people's lives. Um, so he is, a he's a marketing and, uh, um, He's a marketing guy. He has a company out here um, that he started called the Smithy Group here in New York, and they do digital marketing strategy and consulting for businesses. It does a lot in the jewelry industry and um, specializes in, in really marketing in, in the digital age and what it looks like for social media and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. So he, he's brilliant. He's been working with some nonprofits as well in different, different avenues. And, um, it's, it's been really cool to watch him and his element. And I learned a ton leadership wise from him. So I think that's, that's something awesome. that we really enjoy is just bouncing ideas off each other, supporting each other. Cause what he's doing is ministry too. And, and you see the blessing that he's having and the influence he's having here in New York and beyond, um, just very open about his faith and, and really ministers to a lot of people and they don't maybe call it that but what he's doing on a regular basis when he's meeting with clients and um, meeting other be- business-minded people in the city. So we're, we're having a ton of fun. We love life. Um, like I said, we laugh a lot. We cheer each other on. And, um, you know, I, I didn't get married till later. He didn't get married till later in life. We're both in our mid thirties. And, um, I loved my single years, but I am also equally loving, um, being married. And I think it makes me even enjoy it a little bit more to have had that season of being single than being married and being like, Oh, you are way better than what I expected. And marriage is way sweeter than I even imagined it to be. You know, it's only God can work that out. So it's pretty, it's pretty extraordinary. That's awesome. And we've, we've been cheering you on and love this season for you, but I met you when you were single and I loved that you didn't um, wait until you were married to lead. I love that you took your place and you led as a single woman. So I guess my final question for you today would just be, what would you say to women who are single? You know, maybe they're believers, uh, even in ministry. And um, like, what would you say to them about navigating their years single and having a desire to lead in the kingdom? I would just say, don't put your life on hold. Um, go ahead and be honest with whatever desires you're having. I think in different seasons for me, I had like more of a burning desire for marriage and other seasons I was like, I'm really enjoying being single. You know, this is fun and that's okay. I think there's can be a full range of even emotions attached to your single years, but don't let whatever emotion you have about being single, keep you from fully embracing life right now. You know, Jesus said in John 10, 10, like I come to bring life and life to the full. He never said life and life to the full when you get married right, <laughs> or right. when you have 2.5 kids and a white picket fence and right. whatever, you know, whatever those, those things are we have in our mind. And I think in subtle ways we put certain things on hold or we hold back a little bit because we're like, well, when I'm married, then I will do this. Then I'll have my husband. Then we'll do the ministry thing together. Then we'll travel to this place. It could be even like silly things. 
I'm not going to go to Paris until it's with my husband or whatever it might be. And I don't want to downplay those desires, but at the same time, I I do want to question like, why, why wait? Like if God's put that in in you and, and, and if God's given you gifts and abilities and talent, um, just live your life fully, you know, make, make space to be surprised by God and wowed by what God can do in the season of being single, make wise choices, be around wise people. You know, I had wise people speaking in my life, you know, so I was never able to go too off course, you know, in my dating, dating life, I'd gone a few dates with somebody and if there was a red flag, there was a red flag, you know, and I had wisdom saying like, Hey, I don't know about this. And, and that was really great to, to have that kind of wisdom in my life. But also it was the wisdom that encouraged me to fully like live and have fun and enjoy. And, um, just, I think sometimes women who are single need to be reminded and given permission to like live life. Like it's, you've got a really great thing in front of you. You have a lot of opportunity. You have a lot of dreams, go for them. You have a lot of opportunities to serve and, um, and be part of a solution for the greater good in some capacity. So go for it. Do not put life on hold. I think that'd be the biggest thing I'd say. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Um, appreciate you. Love, love getting to do this alongside of you, even from the opposite coast. Uh, we're, we're, we're totally in your corner and <laughs> lo- love what you all are doing for the kingdom in a lot of ways. Uh, thank you. It's been so fun. Uh, thanks for listening to, to me kind of get passionate about certain things as you ask some really good questions and, um, it's just such an honor to be a part of what what this whole thing is about, because Leading Second, I think, is such a brilliant and needed resource uh, for leaders. Um, certainly. Also, thank you. Thank you very much, Nicole. Appreciate that. One more time. Why don't you share with everybody um, your website for Iridescent? We, we're, we're cheering you on as you launch that. Thank you. It's iridescentwomen.com. And you might need to Google how to spell iridescent. <laughs> I absolutely iridescent did. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those weird words, but it definitely speaks to who we are. We are awakening brilliance within every woman. And that's really the heartbeat of iridescent. So iridescentwomen.com. Love it. Love it. Thanks, my friend. Thank you. If this podcast has resonated with you, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, however you're listening to it. Uh, Make sure to rate, comment, uh, share, do everything you're supposed to do with the podcast, and head to the Leading Second Forum on Facebook. Join our community. We would love to do life with you. Also, I want to encourage you to check out our Instagram and leadingsecond.com for information on our summer coaching groups. We have just a couple weeks Uh, for you to sign up, to register, to be a part of a coaching group. It won't be the same without you. We'd love to have you join us this summer in one of our groups. Uh, Until next time, I hope you have a great summer. I hope that church is strong for you this weekend. Uh, Let's run strong for the kingdom and let's lead in an uncommon way together. (laughs) 